The scripture reading this morning comes from Mark, the first chapter, verses 9 through 15, and we'll be reading from the New International Version. At that time, Jesus came down from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Do you practice patient listening? There's a story that Chuck Swindoll tells of a time he found himself under a lot of stress. Too much to do, too little time kind of moment in his life. He was tense, he was grouchy, he was nervous, all kinds of things. He found himself quickly snapping at his family whenever they tried to have conversation with him. When they sat down at the dinner table, he would quickly eat his food and and leave the table and was irritated with unnecessary or unexpected interruptions. He writes about this in his book, Stress Fractures, and he says, Before long, things around our home started reflecting the pattern of my hurry-up lifestyle. It was becoming unbearable. He went on to say, I distinctly remember after supper one evening the words of our youngest daughter, She wanted to tell me something important that happened to her at school that day. She began hurriedly, Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell it really fast. And suddenly, realizing her frustration, he said, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast. Say it slowly. To which she replied, she gave a reply that Swindoll says he will never forget. Then listen slowly. Do you practice patient listening? Say, well, Bible verses like James 1.19 say we should be quick to listen. The idea of quickness there is about uh, the readiness of us to listen, like that we will quickly be ready to listen to someone as they have conversation with us. But the verse goes on to imply that that listening is really to be meant to be patient listening listening or listening slowly because James 1.19 goes on to say that we should also be slow to speak. And that requires a readiness to listen and even a patience to listen before we open our mouths and reply. Usually people who speak quickly aren't really listening at all. 
uh, too concerned with talking or getting their own opinion or ideas out there. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had times like that which Swindoll describes where you feel a little frazzled, too much to do, too little time, kind of in one of those seasons right now. Um, Sadly, negative things sometimes come along with it. I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling those experiences. And we've all probably encountered people who get James 1.19 wrong, who don't listen very well, don't listen quickly, or are too willing to speak quickly and get angry quickly when not heard themselves. Humanity has this problem. We have this issue. We don't always listen well, either to one another or to God when he speaks to us as well. As we begin this season of Lent, you may wonder why we're talking about patient listening, especially when the passage that was read for us this morning uh, really has its central focus in the middle of the three stories about Jesus in the wilderness. It's the same place that Lent always begins in the, sort of in the liturgical calendar on the first Sunday of Lent in the gospel accounts. We always start in the wilderness, specifically Christ's experience in the wilderness. And you think, so what does that have to do with listening, especially patient, patient listening? More than we might imagine. Because as we move through Lent, recounting the teaching life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we will be reminded that life isn't always easy. How will we cope in life? That we will be reminded that we are on a journey with Jesus that does take us to places of solitude, aloneness, even despair, but also to places where there is great learning and joy and celebration. And then we go back to places where we feel like we're anxiety-ridden or we're shocked or we're in mourning, wondering whether there is hope. And then perhaps when we least expect it to a place where our hope is renewed. We will need to listen patiently, to practice patient listening to the ways God speaks in our lives. And that's not just during Lent, by the way. That's something that should be all the time. It's just that when we have seasons like this, we're um, specially reminded about those moments. We're given these opportunities once again to sort of reboot or, 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 or renew something. Usually it's a pattern of our own lives because uh, in all likelihood, we have experienced one or more of those examples I just gave of loneliness, despair, anxiety, celebration, joy, learning, uh, shock, mourning, and hope. And, and we've probably experienced uh, a variety of other things in the in-between of the highs and the lows of life. We've probably had moments where we've lived the hurry-up life, missing out because we're not really listening very well and particularly missing out on the things God may have whispered or even shouted into our ears, but we could not hear because we did not have the patience to listen or were too busy trying to get our point across to God instead of listening for that still small voice and what he has to say to us. The journey of Lent 
is an opportunity. It's a time that we need to practice patient listening. Will we hear the still, small voice of God? Now, the gospel reading, the first Sunday of Lent, as I said, it, it always starts with wilderness. We reflect on Christ's time in the wilderness in part for some inkling of hope, some measure of sanity and orderliness in a crazy, chaotic world. Some years we come to this moment, to this story, to this week, and it's just the story we hear once again. The familiar refrain of Christ and being beckoned or led or driven into the wilderness. And sometimes it feels like our story. To be clear, Christ's time in the wilderness was unique to him and to fulfilling his Father's purposes here on earth cannot be equated with the kinds of wilderness wanderings we have in our lives because we are not the Messiah. We are not saviors. We're the ones needing to be saved. We're the ones who don't even know when we are isolated, alone, or distant and remote from God. But sometimes... We get it more than at other times, despite the differences for our wilderness wanderings. We get it because our lives, our hearts, sometimes feel barren, cold, desperate. Wilderness is a deserted place. As Michael Marsh puts it, the wilderness is a place of loss and grief, disappointment and regret. It's a place of breakups and breakdowns. It's a place where we bump up against our limitations and face our powerlessness. It's a place of risk and vulnerability, uncertainty, and without guarantees. It's where we realize once again, or maybe for the first time, that every day our life hangs in the balance. It's where we discover who we are and what really matters. Now, any of that describes even a minuscule fraction of who you are, what you've brought with you as you came here today, then draw near and listen closely, for you are not alone. God is with you. He speaks at every point in your journey, sometimes through others, sometimes through circumstances, sometimes through his word, sometimes through, his, through prayer and by the power of his Holy Spirit. I am confident, though, that, that Christ, the very Son of God, though alone in the wilderness in our story, knew he wasn't truly alone. And the same goes for each of us in our daily experiences. I mean, if anyone understands wilderness, it's Jesus. And and if anyone understands the things we go through, it's Jesus. He's the one who alone can rescue from sin. He's the one who alone walked where we could never imagine walking. He's the one who endured what we ourselves could never endure. He knew wilderness. He knows what we go through. And and as, as I said, while it doesn't have the same purpose, our wilderness compared to his, still it is good to know that he understands our every weakness isn't it? Now, that's not to say that the journey through Lent, or life for that matter, is going to be easy. It's not. The journey with Jesus is not always an easy one. 
And we need to be properly prepared for the times. I mean, Jesus himself, the divine Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, spent time in preparation. We read some of that in our very brief text this morning. Now, while I have spoken of Christ's time in the wilderness as a starting place, in our brief text you notice there's actually three whirlwind stories that start actually just before the wilderness. Seven verses covering three important stories. Seems kind of quick, doesn't it? Almost like it doesn't really matter that much to Mark. By comparison, by the way, Matthew takes 11 verses just to speak of the wilderness event. Luke takes 13 verses. Mark takes 7 verses to talk about three things. Again, before, now before you begin to wonder, I'm a firm believer that everything in the Word of God is important, however brief or however long. I'm just saying it seems like it's not important because Mark doesn't dwell long on the details. Perhaps it is, as I've quoted before as one pastor's blog explains um, it's like this where we view this as cutting to the chase not in the sense of having a hurry up lifestyle where you're not paying attention uh, or you're not practicing patient listening. For example, if you're having a conversation with someone who just happens to speak a lot of words, you might think, cut to the chase. You know, hurry up, I've got to get going. I'm not talking about that kind of cut to the chase. It's more like that which uh, director Hal Roach, who's credited with coining the phrase, intended. You see, when he was directing movies, Um, the screenwriters would try and add dialogue just to beef up the scene a little bit, and he would say, cut to the chase. Don't keep the audience in suspense for too long. and Whatever you do, don't let them get bored. Mark doesn't leave you lingering too long. He doesn't give you much detail. He cuts to the chase, and you're certainly not bored. If anything, uh, at least for me, it leaves me wanting more. It beckons with a sense of I'm drawing close to listen. I want to know that the Lord is with me. I want to know that he has something important to say without needing to be verbose. Verbose is that very fancy word uh, that means you talk too much, right? (laughs) Technically, it means you use more words than necessary. So let me just use a few words here. No matter what you've experienced, are experiencing, or will experience... Listen closely to the voice of God above the noise of this world. For he is with you and always has something important to say. So what do these verses, these seven brief verses say about patient listening and the promise that we are not alone? What do these three quick scenes, especially as we begin our Lenten journey, say to our current circumstances and experiences? Here's the first thing I want you to notice. It comes from the baptism story. And it is simply this. Cut out the noises of this world. In the brevity of these verses, we get this this note about this baptism. Mark cuts to the chase. It, again, doesn't mean he's moving too fast or too quickly, leaving out important details. He's not running ahead too fast. Um, it, it just simply means he's cutting out the unnecessary parts. Just like we ought to cut, uh, cut out the unnecessary noises of, uh, 
of life so we can hear God speak to us through his word, through prayer, through others, through our circumstances. Cutting to the chase really just means that indeed, you know, you're giving God your fullest attention. Cutting to the chase, cutting out those noises of the world allows us to hear him say, you are my beloved child and with you I am well pleased. Now obviously again, what took place at Jesus' baptism was unique to him. But I believe there is also something universal about what took place. In a way, the words that God spoke to his son also apply to us as we follow in his footsteps. Think about it for a moment. By God's grace, we have been given the gift of salvation. And when that happens, we are adopted into the family of God. And when we follow him and live with him and for him, our heavenly father is well pleased. God's promise of love, then, is the reality for us in that sense. We don't always hear this because I think the noise of this world, and especially uh, contrary voices or chaos or disruption or conflict, tends to drown out the, the voice of God at times in our lives. And so maybe, just maybe, this season of Lent, what you're going to just simply need to do is pause the noises long enough to hear God speak words of comfort, of love, and encouragement to your hearts. That's the first thing I want you to notice from this brief text. Cut the noises. God has something incredible to say to you. The second story, the second scene reminds us this. The presence of Jesus changes everything. The presence of Jesus changes everything. Now, you might think, where are you getting that from? Because Mark's gospel in this second scene, uh, we read words that are strange, odd, concerning, maybe kind of shake us a little bit. I mean, listen to them again closely. Once again, verses 12 and 13. This is after the baptism. At once, Mark's fav- one of Mark's favorite phrases, by the way, at once. Everything's immediate. At once. Euthus, immediately. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Now, again, doesn't seem to say much, cutting to the chase, but it does say much more than we might think. The NIV says, sent into the wilderness. The verb is actually much more forceful than that. Uh, It actually means to drive out or to cast out. Just like Jesus cast out demons, the Spirit cast him out into the wilderness. Think of that imagery. It's strong. It's very strong imagery. Now, Mark doesn't give us the details of the temptation or the confrontation. All he says is that 40 days tempted by Satan, with wild animals, angels attended him. But that tells us a lot more than we might think. Both Matthew and Luke describe the temptations. You can read that on your own. Both Matthew 4, Luke 4. Okay? Read them yourself. Matthew points out that 
after this Satan left, angels came and attended him. But only Mark mentions wild animals. And only Mark uses the idea of being cast out into the desert. Mark, or Matthew and Luke both use a softer lead into the desert. But don't miss it. You see, it's really important. These are not incidental differences. Mark uses the idea of being cast out in the desert, much like Jesus cast out demons. Because the desert is a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. Mark, cutting to the chase, emphasizing that his time in the wilderness, Christ's time in the wilderness, really is a life or death struggle. I speak metaphorically of our own wildernesses, but Jesus experienced real, dry, barren, dangerous wilderness. There are wild animals to worry about. There's no food. There's temptation. That temptation, by the way, isn't just two people sitting down having a nice conversation uh, about spiritual things and going sort of back and forth. Oh, well, you know, if you're hungry, just turn these stones to bread. Ah, but you shouldn't live uh, on bread alone. It's not this nice conversation. I kind of feel like sometimes we read Matthew and Luke and it just seems like this casual. No, these are strong, dangerous temptations that he's facing. There's a place of vulnerability. There's nothingness apart from the wild animals. Did I mention the wild animals yet? Wild animals are unpredictable and dangerous. So lest you think differently, the world Jesus inhabits is a dangerous place. As I said, Mark only mentions wild animals and it's significant. I like what David Jacobson says. He says this wilderness, he wanders 40 days. It's a dangerous place. It's an apocalyptic struggle that Jesus survives. Now, maybe you might think, well, you know, the wild animals probably were subdued or tamed so that Jesus' experience wouldn't be that difficult, but that wouldn't be accurate. Or you might think that, You know, um, well, it says the angels attended him, so maybe the presence of the angels kept the animals at bay. Kind of a, you know, the world is a dangerous place, but we enjoy God's protection idea. But again, I don't think that's the picture here. I think it's much more subversive than that. Satan tempts. Animals, wild animals are all around. It's bleak. It's dangerous, but something is happening. Matt Skinner says this. He says the old rules and expectations no longer apply in the same way when Jesus is present. Jesus changes everything, and his time in the desert confirms that. Not to mention the many other passages in the New Testament as well. In fact, the very next chapter refers in Mark refers to a story of not putting new wine into old wineskins. It's a reference to the reality that what Jesus is bringing, the change he is bringing, cannot be contained in the old ways. It's inadequate, insufficient. He's changing them. The old rules no longer apply in the same way. To me, the wild animals not devouring Jesus indicates just that. 
He brings new order, a new way, and he does so because he identifies with us. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18 tells us that. And the very declaration that we will, in, in six weeks' time, proclaim, I hope, with gusto that Christ is risen, seals this truth once and for all, that the presence of Jesus changes everything. And that's good news, my friends. Really good news. That Don't underestimate this reality. Bank on it. Count on it. Be confident about it. Jesus changes everything, including us. Practice patient listening. You're not alone in the desert place you might find yourself. God is with you. And maybe, just maybe, he's bringing about a change in your life. Something new. After all, Jesus' presence changes everything. And finally, there's this scene where Jesus, after these moments, kind of emerges from the wilderness. John's put in prison and says, The time has come. The kingdom of God is near or at hand. Repent and believe the good news. God speaks. Listen and act. Listen and act. It's not merely enough to hear to listen. The call of God's voice is a call to action, the action of repentance, the action of walking with Jesus in this dangerous world in which we live. Don't run away. You can't run away, by the way. I mean, you can't run so far that God cannot find you. Instead, run to him. Believe, receive, live. Jesus is saying, when you repent and believe this Uh, the good news um, that you will discover a new way of living, a new way of being, a new way of associating with and connecting to the world because he's turning that all upside down, changing the rules and boundaries. So shut off the noises of this world and listen long enough to hear his voice speaking to you. Let me conclude by just saying something I'm sure you have heard many times before, not only from me, but many other preachers, teachers, pastors, authors, theologians, friends, loved ones, who have practiced patient listening and heard God speak in many ways, and that is this. When you, as you journey through Lent this season, and, I, and you will see this, God is in the habit of confounding human logic and human thinking. God is in the habit of meeting us in the wilderness of our experiences and leading us to greener pastures. God is in the habit of taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. And this is indeed good news for us today as we begin this journey through Lent or continue simply as God's people toward a a deeper faith and stronger sense of, of where God is leading us. Because guess what? We really are just a group of ordinary people, and I include myself especially among that, but seeking to do God's will as best as we can. And when we genuinely walk with him, trusting in him, believing in him, repenting and believing the good news, I believe he is able to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary.
Isn't that good news? So, practice patient listening. Cut out the noise of this world. Listen, God is with you. And when Jesus is with you, that's good news because Jesus changes everything. So, repent and believe the good news. And may the, king, may the journey through the season ahead reinforce, reaffirm these familiar and perhaps unfamiliar truths in your lives today. Let us pray. Lord, we need you. Help us to practice patient listening as we journey through this season, as we journey through life. Help us to remove the noise, to cutting to the chase. Help us to see where you are changing the boundaries. May we be part of your new, this new reality, this renewal that is happening. Take our ordinary and make it extraordinary for your name's sake. From the desert places we cry out and receive your grace and mercy. Lord, wherever we may find ourselves, may we know with great certainty we are showered by your love, cloaked with your grace and mercy. And so we pray simply, Lord, come guide our hearts this day, this week, this season. Help us to draw near and listen and know with certainty that you are with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.